Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Double Coverage Podcast with myself, Sean Holko, and my friend, Mac Irvin III. On today's episode, we will be discussing the Olympics in Tokyo that were supposed to take place in the summer of 2020, being postponed to 2021 due to the coronavirus outbreak. We will also talk about uh, people in the sport world who have been diagnosed with COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus, as it has spread beyond just the National Basketball Association and the world of soccer. So Mac and I will talk about that later here in the show. But first, we will kick things off with NFL free agency because that is the only thing going on in the sports world right now, Mac. And we are just thankful that we still have something. I know that some people in the NFL world were upset that they still went forward with NFL free agency given what's going on in the world right now. But at least for us, it gives us something to talk about, which is nice. Yeah, and I think uh, when you look at the world of sports, free agency was probably going to be the one thing that was still able to go on because you don't have to be like in person to sign with teams or have have physicals and that kind of stuff. So it was always it always struck me as something that if everything else got canceled, that was going to be the one thing that we had left. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. The only the only snag that comes with that, and we're seeing um, it it. Uh, really come out with players like Cam Newton and Tua Tagovailoa, guys who are coming off of injuries and are just trying to prove that they are healthy again. And it's making it tougher to get those physicals. We know that Cam Newton got a physical done by the Carolina Panthers doctors. And then right after that, they released him. Um, and they also said that he could seek a trade. And, and we also know on the other side with Tua, and we'll talk about the NFL draft in, in coming weeks because it seems like that's still going to happen, even though some people are unhappy about it. But we see a couple of these guys who are injured, and this just complicates things with them trying to get physicals. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the big players that it's affecting, I know you mentioned Cam Newton, but also, you know, Jadavian Clowney, you know, coming off of that year with the Seahawks. He was looking for that big payday, looking for something in the Buckner Armstead region of contracts, kind of like $20 million a year plus. But, you know, coming off of a season where he only had three recorded sacks, also coming off of a core injury, he had surgery in the offseason, not going to be able to do a lot of physicals for teams. Therefore, he hasn't really got the value he's looking for, and that's why he's still a free agent. And you see teams are kind of like waiting to see like what's going to be the first big offer that's reported and they're going to see what they're going to do with him. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what the remaining free agents like Jadavion Clowney continue to do, and we know that Jadavion Clowney is probably the best def- uh, defensive player still out there on the market. So, Mac, since you are a Seattle Seahawks fan, we will start out with the Seattle Seahawks, and you mentioned Jadavion Clowney. So while he's still a free agent, because by the time we do our podcast next week, episode number 10, we're going to make it into double digits if the coronavirus doesn't get to us. Um, so uh, I just want to start with it. I know, right? No, I got to knock on wood right here. But um, anyways, so as a Seattle Seahawks fan or just as an NFL fan in general, what do you think is going to happen with Jadavion Clowney? Because I know that we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but now that he's still out there on the market, is he going to have to end up settling and, and dropping that number that he wanted around the Buckner and Armstead range? And and where do you think he will end up? Uh, if you listen to a lot of reports, you know, the Seahawks came out with an offer during uh, the combine for like four years, 
somewhere in the $18 million range, and he turned that down. You know, he was still looking for 20 uh, other reports have the Seahawks coming back with lower offer, closer to $13 million a year. So I think the consensus is right now he's going to take a short, like, one, two-year deal and try to hit free agency again in the near future and try to sign for that mega contract he's been looking for. So as of right now, you know, no massive offers have come through. It doesn't look like he's going to hit the $20 million a year mark. So I think it's reasonable that he stays in Seattle, hopefully. I mean, as a fan, I would love to see him back in Seattle because he added so much to that defensive front. But, you know, you never know with a situation like this. But I definitely think short-term, somewhere in the $15 million range maybe, and then try to get free agency again. And and do you think that he'll, he'll end up – I'm sorry if you already said that, but do you think he'll end up back in Seattle on that short-term deal? I think so, yeah. I just don't think there's going to – because he said he wants to play on a, a contender and – if he rejoins Seattle, that makes them a contender, I think. Yeah, that that's a no that's bias. a really solid point. Yeah, no no bias, maybe a little bit of bias, but no bias. Um, so Mac, before we move on from your squad, the Seattle Seahawks, I just want to get to a couple of the other signings that the Seahawks have made so far in this offseason. Um, just yesterday, they signed Philip Dorsett to a one-year. $1.05 million contract. Um, that was first reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Some other signings is they did bring back uh, Jacob Hollister. They brought back Bruce Irvin, uh, who I believe last played for the Carolina Panthers, but we know that he really shined when he was a Seattle Seahawk. Um, they brought back Jaron Reed, and they also brought in Greg Olson from the Carolina Panthers. So, Mac, out of all of those signings, which one are you most satisfied with? I'm probably most satisfied with getting back Jaron Reed, you know, because we, uh, one of the big things that was important for us is keeping stability on that defensive front. You know, Jaron Reed starting to emerge as one of those uh, mid-tier to low high-end defensive tackles out there. So I think it's really important that we kept him and what looks like a team-friendly deal, you know, $12 million a year almost on average. So I think keeping hold of Jaron Reed is uh, probably our biggest transaction so far. Some of the remaining needs for the Seattle Seahawks, according to NFL Network, are an edge rusher. That very well could be Jadavion Clowney if they just re-sign him. Um, and, and, they're offense- for, and they're looking for another one to partner Clowney as well. That's a good point. Um, maybe another offensive lineman. We know that they signed B.J. Finney, but they still need to try and protect Russell Wilson as well as a running back because we know that at the end of last season, the Seahawks running backs all got hurt all at once. So maybe get a little more depth to add uh, to the Seahawks. All right, Mac, now let's go over to the rival of the Seattle Seahawks, and that is my favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, the reigning NFC champions. We talked about last week on the podcast that the 49ers had signed Eric Armstead, Sacramento native, to a five-year, $85 million contract. And just recently, they signed Travis Benjamin to a one-year, $2 million deal, re-signed Ben Garland to a one-year, $2.25 million deal to have him back as center. And also, they are re-signing Jimmy Ward, their safety, to a three-year contract worth up to $28.5 million dollars obviously for me mac the best signing there is eric armstead because you bring back a guy who you didn't even know if you were going to be able to keep obviously they had to trade away to buckner for the 13th overall pick which we already talked about 
enough last week on the show. But I know that the 49ers haven't made as many signings as your Seattle Seahawks or as as many as a, a lot of other teams in the NFL. But what do you think that the 49ers need to do next, Mac? Because do they need to look at a wide receiver again? I know last week we talked about possibly what they might do with that 13th overall pick, maybe looking at another defensive back or trying to uh, just replace Buckner on that defensive line. So from your perspective, what do the 49ers need to do? What does John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan need to do? I think NFL Network has it pretty well laid out. You know, they have their biggest remaining need as wide receiver, lineman, and center back. But, you know, like I was harping on the secondary last week, and I'm going to continue to do so because – Cornerback? Cornerback and safety even maybe, you know, it's never have too much depth, I think, in the league. And especially in such a physical division like the NFC West, you're going to need bodies back there in the secondary. So I think – I'm not sure how many – prime cornerbacks that are on the market though so that could prove to be a challenge yeah that that will be a challenge for john lynch going forward in this offseason with the signing of travis benjamin i think that the 49ers might be done signing wide receivers and look for them to draft one maybe at number 13 in the upcoming nfl draft um and you were right there that they need a they need a cornerback. I think you said center back, so you're gonna foot the two footballs uh, uh, yep. a little mixed up. But they got to look for a cornerback, an offensive lineman um, that they're gonna need um, as long along with a wide receiver. All right, Mac, that was our two favorite teams. Now let's uh, get past the bias here. Let's talk about the biggest signing of the off season last week here on Double Coverage. You and I talked about where he might go. We both thought that it was going to be back to New England, but we were both wrong because Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Tom Brady agreed to a two-year contract with the Buccaneers, and he will now team up with head coach Bruce Arians, who is noted as a quarterback guru. We know that he coached guys like Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Big Ben Roethlisberger in the past. So, Mac, what did you think about this signing when you first heard about it? Um... So it was a little confusing at first because, you know, you think of Tom Brady, you think of the Patriots, you don't really think of Tampa Bay. And it's going to it's gonna be hard to get used to seeing him in that in the, in the red of Tampa Bay. But, I mean, on paper, this all sounds like a pretty good deal, you know. Tampa Bay, they weren't the best team last year. But, like I said, if, if they had a quarterback that just threw maybe half of the interceptions, Jameis did, 30 interceptions. It's like, if you just, just cut that in half, I think they're a real contender for that uh, – Six seed, and now as it is this year, now seven seed. So I think, uh, you know, adding Tom Brady to that mix, you know, he, he is on the decline somewhat, but I think he's definitely better than, than Jameis is. I think he'll be more controlled than how he throws the ball, and the balls are on target this time. Yeah, that's a great point because Jameis Winston, he was just very reckless, and he led the NFL in passing yards, and we know that he had 30 touchdown passes. But when you have 30 turnovers, you and that's just that's just interceptions because I think he had at least five fumbles, maybe 10. So he was just a turnover machine. The Buccaneers went seven and nine last year. And of those nine losses, I heard this stat last week, and I apologize if I'm not saying it correctly, but out of those nine losses, the stat was that seven of those losses were by single digits or by a one score game. 
So if Jameis Winston had just cut down on like a turnover or maybe two turnovers per game, then they very well could have had double digit wins with 10 wins. So that's what Tom Brady can bring to that squad. And, and Bruce Arians, their head coach, he said at the end of the season when he was just getting fed up with Jameis after that loss to the Houston Texans on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And they said, Bruce, do you think that you can win with a different quarterback? And he said, if I can win with this quarterback, then I can win with anyone. And now he he gets the greatest of all time under center. So it's definitely going to be interesting. The full details of the contract that Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers was a two-year $50 million deal, um, $50 million guaranteed. Uh, is that correct? $50 million guaranteed? I think uh, it's I'm, somewhere in that range, yeah. So I guess Tom Brady is getting two years. $50 million guaranteed with up to $4.5 million each year in performance-based incentives, along with a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause. So Tom Brady will likely spend the rest of his career as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. All right, Mac, before we move on to the guys that are currently free agents, because there was a former MVP released yesterday, we'll get into that in a moment, but before we get to the remaining free agents, what was one signing that you really just loved? It could be from any any team. Um, it could be an underrated signing. Or just what was one signing that you just really liked, other than Tom Brady, of course? Um, once uh, this isn't going to be a signing; it's going to be a trade for me. And okay, I think I think it's the the Eagles managing to get uh, Darius Slay. That was a big, uh, that was a big trade for them. They should get a big name corner, uh, somebody to step up to replace, you know, the guys they had in the secondary back there. And they didn't, they gave up, you know, a moderate price for him. But I think for what he can bring to that team, I think it's worth it. Yeah, that that's a that's a great point because Darius Slay is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, and he never got that respect that he was truly. Um, he truly deserved that respect when he was a Detroit lion, but Matt Patricia obviously didn't give it to him. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of the situation going on between Matt Patricia and Darius Slay, just look it up. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to misquote what he said. So just look it up. Darius Slay, Matt Patricia. And also something I wanted to mention about Darius Slay is that he said that he's going to wear number 24 with the Philadelphia Eagles to honor Kobe Bryant. We know that he grew up in Philly and was an Eagles fan. So I think it's really cool that Darius Slay is going to honor Kobe Bryant on his new team. Um, a couple of the other signings that I wanted to just quickly mention before we move on to who is still a remaining free agent is we get over to the Las Vegas Raiders. The 49ers are currently the only uh, team left in the Bay Area now because the Raiders are officially uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas's team. Uh, so the Raiders brought in Marcus Mariota on a two-year, $17.6 million contract. They also brought in Jason Witten from the Cowboys, so that's going to be interesting. The Saints brought back Drew Brees on a two-year contract. The Panthers are bringing in Teddy Bridgewater to replace Cam Newton and Kyle Allen, along with uh, the the Panthers also bringing in P.J. Walker from the XFL, the Houston Roughnecks. So the first player to be signed from the XFL um, to the NFL. What did you think of that signing, Mac? Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a quality backup for them. I can't really see him, you know, eclipsing Teddy Bridgewater, especially with the deal that Teddy's on. But, you know, it's always good to have a quality pair of hands 
to back up your quarterback in case he goes down. So I think this is a good signing for them. And it showed what kind of potential the XFL had before it had to never be shut down. Yeah, especially especially because um, P.J. Walker had played for head coach Matt Rule at Temple. So they got that connection. And then the Panthers also just signed Robbie Anderson from the Jets, who played for Matt Rule at Temple. So Matt Rule, he's starting completely fresh with the Panthers, and I'm interested to see what he does there. Um, the final thing that I wanted to mention before we get to the remaining free agents is Nick Foles was traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Chicago Bears to put a little bit of heat on Mitch Trubisky there in Chicago. So that is interesting. All right, Mac. Now we have talked enough about our teams, about the GOAT Tom Brady and the other signings that have happened so far in NFL free agency. Now let's get into a guy who just got released yesterday and is now a free agent for the first time in his career. That guy is Cam Newton, who was released from the Carolina Panthers yesterday, last week. They said that he had permission to seek a trade, even though he didn't even want to. But obviously, Matt Rule and the Panthers wanted to start fresh. So Cam Newton's a free agent. What did you think about that, Mac? Because we know that he's coming off of an injury, and, and it's unclear if he's fully healthy and, and the MVP cannibal. Well, I mean, he passed a physical, so we know that he's healthy to some extent. It was surprising to me that nobody attempted to trade for him. I know they said the Panthers tried to shop him to the Chargers and uh, another team, I think it was the Bears, before they got Nick Foles. But it just seems surprising that nobody wanted to take Cam Newton. And now, you know, that he's a free agent, I'm not sure where he's going to go. I still think the best landing spot for him would be, like, New England. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how feasible that is, but I think that would be a great chance for him to really reestablish himself as one of the better quarterbacks in the game and for Bill Belichick to continue to make New England a playoff caliber team. Yeah, you know, I was also very surprised that Cam Newton got released, especially because Kyle Allen, who at one point was his backup until he got hurt, Kyle Allen got a fifth-round pick from the Washington Redskins to go and reunite with his former head coach, Ron Rivera, but no one wanted to give up anything for Cam, and I get that both of them are on different contracts, but I still find it amazing that a guy who led his team to the Super Bowl like four years ago, I think is what it was, and he was an MVP now he's a free agent. So it was, I, I, not, it was him not diving for that fumble. Yeah, you know, it was that effort. It was that effort. Even though I think Aaron Rodgers had a very similar play this past NFL season, I think in the NFL playoffs. And, and that play by Rodgers made me think of the Cam Newton play because Cam Newton got crucified for not diving for it. But if Aaron Rodgers doesn't, it, it's okay. And that's a whole other thing that we can talk about another day. But uh, that that's just something I thought of. Um, anyways, Mac, where do you think Cam Newton's going to go? I know that you mentioned Bill Belichick. Do you think he's going to become a Patriot? I just think that's the only realistic landing spot out there. You look at the teams that need quarterbacks, and you see, you know, Cincinnati is going to take Joe Burrow, obviously. Uh, I still think Tua will end up in Miami. And you look at the other teams, you know, they can always trade up to get a quarterback. If New England is, you know, they're so far down in the pecking order in the draft. You know, I just don't know if they're going to like the quarterbacks that are available to them. I just think Cam's the best option for New England. I think New England's the best option for Cam. Some other I can't being a backup at this point in his career, not right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. Um, <clears throat> he's only 31 years old. Um, some remaining free agents that we will see if they get signed in the next week. Uh, 
include Jameis Winston, the guy who Tom Brady replaced, Everson Griffin, Rashad Perryman, Prince Amukamura, and Ndamukong Sue. So we will see um, when those guys get signed, and we will talk about it next week here on Double Coverage. All right, Mac, that segment went a little bit long. I apologize for that because I'm, I'm hosting this week's episode. But now let's get into the coronavirus, which has dominated uh, the world. It's the reason why you and I are now recording our podcast through our laptops instead of being in our State Hornet studio with our podcast editor, Robbie, with the microphones in front of us recording this. So we apologize to the listeners if the, if the audio isn't exactly how it used to be, but we're doing what we can to still bring you this content. But anyways, Mac, the coronavirus, it um, has shut down all the sports leagues in the world. It's pretty much shut down the world, as in California, we're pretty much all in home confinement and in quarantine. So anyways, last week we talked about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert being diagnosed with the coronavirus, and that's what led to the NBA being shut down. Since then, some other players that have... um, come out and admitted to having the coronavirus include one of the best NBA players in the world. Kevin Durant told Shams Charnia of the athletic that he has the coronavirus, even though he is asymptomatic and and isn't really experiencing any symptoms. He is one of four Brooklyn Nets players, even though the other three have yet to be identified. Two Los Angeles Lakers have tested positive for the coronavirus. There is a member of the Denver Nuggets organization who has tested positive for the coronavirus. Along with Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints head coach tested positive for the coronavirus, and that breaks into the NFL world. And then in soccer, I know that last week we talked about a Juventus player who was diagnosed, but now in the English Premier League, Callum Hudson-Odoi from Chelsea has also tested positive for the coronavirus. So, Mac, what do you think about this um, as it continues to develop? Because to me, it just gets like scarier and scarier the more that we hear people that are so well-known testing positive. Yeah, you just kind of it gives a perspective as to how fast this thing can spread. I mean, you saw it, it from it went from one player to and to double digits of people in the NBA in what a week and a half, two weeks. It's just crazy how fast this thing can spread, and you you never know like who has it. You know, with the limited number of tests available, obviously the athletes and celebrities that we you know talked about they have more immediate access to tests. Whether that's fair or not, that's for another discussion. But, uh, you know, you never know who could be carrying it. You know, Kevin Durant saying he was asymptomatic. So you could be hanging around people, spreading it, and not even know. So that's just – that shows how easy it is for this thing to spread and why such drastic steps have been taken. Exactly. We just need to stay home. And uh, Kevin Durant is on one side of it where he's asymptomatic and – He's not showing any signs, but then you look at the other side of it. Um, just last night, Carl Anthony Towns, the the all star for the Minnesota Timberwolves, he released about a five minute video on all his social media platforms, sharing his story that not that he has the coronavirus, but his mom has tested positive for the coronavirus and she is now in a coma. So he just shared his message just to get people to stay home. And the reason why I brought up Carl uh, Anthony Towns and his mom is that she's on the side where she is showing all of the signs that she is sick and she is going through it. But then you look at the other side that a guy like Kevin Durant has it and he seems fine. So that's the scariest thing about this. Um, And also, I wanted to ask you, Mac, about um, 
testing because there have been a lot of critics of some of these NBA teams testing their entire teams. Obviously, it was needed for the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder after Rudy Gobert had tested positive that night. But then teams around the league have paid private companies to test their players, and you had New York uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio come out and say that the whole Brooklyn Nets organization shouldn't have been tested because there's enough sick people in New York that need to test themselves and they don't want to just test people just because they have money. But that's how we found out about KD. So what's your stance on that? Because it's a very, very tricky thing that the, the these NBA teams and just people in general would rather be safe than sorry. But then you also have these people who are truly suffering and they can't even get tested. Yeah, you know, it's a slippery slope because obviously it's not fair that not everybody has, you know, ready access to these kind of tests. But at the same time, when you see an organization like the Nets, they're paying out of pocket for a private firm to do it. So can you really say that they're taking away from a lot of the ordinary citizens? Like, would they be going to that firm for coronavirus tests? I don't know. But I mean, it's just, I understand why, you know, these organizations and teams and players are doing this. You know, they want to be informed. They want to make sure they they want to know whether they have it or not, so they're not spreading it without knowing. So, I mean, it's it's a slippery slope, and it it would be wrong for me to play the almighty one and decide who gets to be tested and who's not. So, I don't know. It's 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 a real slippery slope. Yeah, I I agree with you there because I when I originally had seen the quote from Mayor Bill De Blasio, I had said to a friend like, uh, I don't know if he's right and. And she was like, no, he is right. And I was like, yeah, but it it gets into exactly what you just said, that it's such a slippery slope that like you want to be able to know if these players on your team have it. So then you can quarantine them away from everyone else. But it's just such a slippery slope. And this is the world that we currently live in. And the best thing that we can do as people and as as a world is just stay home. We saw it work in China and they're finally starting to let people go out and about again, but they had been in containment since January. So this is going to be a long haul and and we all got to deal with it. And we'll continue to update you all about uh, other coronavirus cover, uh, other coronavirus cases in the sports world here on double coverage. All right, Mac, the last topic that we're going to talk about for today has to do with COVID-19 as well, and this was the most significant postponement and cancellation, and it was the 2020 uh, Tokyo Summer Olympics being postponed. What did you think about that? Yeah, it really sucks because I'm one of those people that, you know, I love the Olympics. I love just, like, everybody coming together under the sports banner, cheering for their country and whatnot. It's just such a fun event to watch and and to cheer for. But I mean, you look at all the all the states that all the countries are in, it just wasn't feasible for it to go on on its originally scheduled date. So I mean, it made perfect sense to postpone it. It just sucks for all the athletes and all the you know members of the staff and all that that have been you know training and working up to this point. But I mean, like I said, it it was really an unavoidable scenario for them. Yeah, exactly, because right after the NBA had suspended their season, we saw all the other sports worlds, uh, sports leagues in the world um, start to postpone or cancel some of the events that they had. But yet the Olympics, they were they were holding tight. And at first they were like, no, we're still going to hold the Olympics. And then this just got progressively worse in countries around the world. 
And it's not so much about, okay, the Olympics are in July. Let's hope that the world's okay by July. It's about these athletes still have to try and train and be ready for the most important moments of their lives in the Olympics. And they have to train for the next four months. And they can't do that if they can't leave their houses. And they were putting themselves at risk by continuing to train over the last two weeks when the Olympics were still really debating if they should postpone it or not. And I get that there's billions of dollars that go into it. And it's the biggest sporting event in the world that happens every two years, if you want to include winter and summer alternating. Um, But anyways, it's, it was another slippery slope. We're going to continue to talk about that um, with COVID-19 and, and you, you said it, and I'm just going to continue to repeat it because it's as slippery of a slope as it can really get. Yeah. You know, I was, I, uh, for the SAC B, I interviewed somebody who was, you know, going out for the rowing team uh, for this Olympics. And, you know, she was so excited at the prospect of potentially being an Olympian and being on an Olympic team. And, you know, she was telling me about all the hard work that she had to put in just to get to this point to be able to attempt to go out for it and for it to be just, you know, postponed and pushed to another year. It's just, you know, it sucks for everybody. It's nobody wins in this situation, but I mean, it's just something that we have to do in this day and age. Yeah, and the announcement has come out that even though the Olympics have been postponed until 2021, after 2021, they still plan to go back to the original Olympic schedule. So this won't be throwing everything's off. This won't be throwing things off for the future as the Winter Games will still take place in 2022 as well as the next Summer Olympics will take place in 2024 in Paris. So hopefully um, once we get this coronavirus under control and we start to find a vaccine and we just get the world healthy again and we can go outside and we can go and socialize and Mac, you and I can sit five feet from each other, not six feet, five feet away from each other and we can do this podcast. Um, hey, but I'll, but I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one of the positive things about this, next year it's going to be great for sports. Yo, oh my gosh, sports. We're, we're all salivating and waiting for sports. And, and I remember that 2016 was such a good year for sports, just like in all of the finishes, like with the NBA finals going to seven games, we know the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. Just that year in sports was so good. But the end of 2020 and into 2021, oh boy, it's going to be so good. Real quick, Mac, before we end the podcast for today, what was the name of the, uh, the future Olympian that you interviewed? Her name was Kelly Vandemore. She's a 24-hour fitness trainer up in Rancho. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, everyone, if you're interested in reading that story from Mr. Mac Irvin III, go to SACB.com. That's a plug for you. All right, that's going to do it for episode number nine of the Double Coverage Podcast. We we apologize for bringing this to you two days later, but COVID-19 made us come up with new ways to record this podcast. Going forward, now that we have figured out um, how we're going to bring this to you every week, we will be back on Mondays. So make sure to check out episode number 10 of the Double Coverage Podcast with myself, Sean Holko, and my partner, Mac Irvin III, next Monday here on statehornet.com or wherever you find your podcast on Apple or Spotify. Have a good week, everyone. Stay safe.